0: You're listening to Christianity 101, a Sunday school series taught by the elders and deacons of Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Good. So before I get started, I'm going to uh, give you a disclaimer. The interpretations and views expressed in this Sunday school class are not necessarily those of the eldership of Maple City Baptist Church. <laughs> So, discretion is advised. Uh, My goal here is to give you things to think about, and if I can get you into the Word of God and study it for yourself, I am pleased. Anyway, the subject today, the topic today that we have, the broad topic is the Trinity. So, there is one true God. He is the God that made heaven and earth. And when you think about it, He is the creator. And how, how far did that creation go? In Hebrews 11, verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made of things which are visible. So God created the world. This is an awesome God. He is a God that has made himself known to us. Okay. He, he has made no, he has made himself known to us through the word, through revelation, and through nature. He is a God that we can know and understand. Uh, there is one false God whose purpose is to destroy creation. I only mention him because of this. His whole purpose is to destroy is to destroy what God has created. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 38, we see that he is the God of fortresses, or he is the God of war, or he is the God of destruction. Okay. That's not our subject today. That's a whole subject in itself. Okay. So we have one God. There is one God made out of three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, how easy is that to understand? We have three personalities. There are, in the Trinity, there's three points of view. There are three bents, or strengths. There's three giftings. Now, if you disagree with any of this thing, let me know. Like, let, I'll, I'll keep on going. But how different is each member of the Trinity? Um, there are three different roles in the in the Trinity. Any anybody object to that? There's three different sets of responsibilities in the Trinity. Okay. I can go on and on uh, until somebody objects to what I'm thinking. How different are they, the members of the Trinity? We really don't know. We do not have uh, three identical triplets. They're not the same. They're different personalities. Now, three personalities, are they equally God? They are equally God. Yet, there is a structure of command. The son is subject to the father. And the Holy Spirit is subject to the Holy. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is subject to Christ and to the Father. There is an. Uh, there is a structure of authority, but they're working together for the same purpose. Let me ask you another question: Are they equally God, or are they collectively God? Notice the distinction. Dry mouth is a problem with being up in front of people. they collectively they are God. Would God be God without the Holy Spirit? Like it is, this is mind-boggling things. Okay. So there we have any questions about the uh, Trinity? It's really straightforward. Nobody has any questions about the Holy Spirit? So the Father isn't more important than the other two? I would say not. Yeah, but he has the, he is the, uh, top, he's the head. Okay, he is the, the one in charge. He is the, should I say in charge? How do you say it? He's not more important. Is the Holy Spirit less important? No, he's not less important.
1: I think understanding that about well, the Trinity helps us to understand roles like that we have in our lives too, because often we equate authority with importance and value. But exactly. In the, in the Trinity, is not that way. God Father is not more important than God the Son, but right? the Son is necessary. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I think that that actually helps us clarify. Yeah. Authority doesn't mean
0: We'll get to that on this side. Yes?
1: Yeah, we're together because when Philip said, show us the Father, he said, Jesus said, have you been so long with me and you do not know that when you see me, you've seen the Father?
0: Yeah, John 14. Okay, we're
1: together as a
0: exactly. Like Exactly. How many times did Jesus say, I, I do the things that I see the Father doing. Mm-hmm. I say the words that the Father's... Uh, it's... Says, you know, he does. He imitates the Father, and and of course then the Holy Spirit comes in, and he he uh, he's he's the same. He uh, he reveals the Father to to us. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Your point is at the application at the end of this uh, talk today. Okay, so I'm going to do a test. Okay, and the test about the Trinity, and so. I'm going to ask a question, and I want you to answer by raising your hands, okay? And the question is simply this. Who created the heavens and the earth? Was it God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit? Now, how many of you think that it's God the Father? Raise your hands. Yeah. Yeah. I said... Raise your hand. <laughs> okay, God the Father. Now, why do we understand that? Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, do you guys uh, 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 do the, Apostle, uh, the Apostles' Creed? I believe the God, Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. You know, it, it is the right answer. You know, it's part of the church tradition. God the Father, creator... Dutch Reformed churches or Reformed churches, they'll say it was the Father that created the heavens and the earth. Okay, secondly, who do you think, uh, how many of you think that Jesus Christ was the creator of the world? Now, why do you say that? No talking. No talking. (laughs) Okay, somebody look up John uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Somebody look up Colossians one fifteen and 16, and somebody look up Hebrews 1, verse 1. What am I doing, Buffy? As soon as you get to John 1, 3. I have a
1: talk. All things were made by him, speaking of Jesus, for the word, and without him was not anything made that was made.
0: Yeah. Jesus Christ, creator of the world. Anybody got Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, and 16? Go ahead.
1: Through the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created, that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, or valleys or powers, all things were created by him and for him.
0: Good. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1.
1: I'll get this on just give a second. He was one one God, who at various times and in different ways spoken in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds.
0: Right. So Jesus Christ is involved in creation. So how many of you think the Holy Spirit is the creator of see I see people raising their hands every every time. And uh, okay. We have Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and void and darkness covered the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the surface of the waters. Then God said let there be light. What was Jesus, what was the Holy Spirit doing at creation?
1: Hovering above the earth.
0: Hovering. Okay, what, did you, what does your, your verse, what does your version say? Mine says, and came over. It's really, a, uh, uh, you know, inactive words, actually. Moved upon. Moved upon the earth, okay? You know what the word actually means? It is the verb to brood. Mm-hmm. Now, what does it mean to brood? Hmm? Do you brood. You know what it does? You know what it pictures? It pictures a chicken coop. It pictures a mother hen. Okay, and what it does is this mother hen is worrying. She's fretting. She's studying. She's looking at creation. She is turning the eggs. She's hovering. She's covering. She is protecting. She is active in her raising her brood. And here we see the Spirit of God brooding over the creation. So the Holy Spirit is involved also in creation. So the third thing is all three of them are involved in creation. How many people think it's all three that are involved in creation? And you guys already said the answer, so you'll let, the, let it loose. The real answer is is in the Bible. And it says, in the beginning, God. And in Hebrew, it's Bereshit Barah Elohim. It's Elohim that created the heavens and the earth. Now, what does Hel- Elohim refer to? God the Creator. Do you know that Elohim is a plural word? It is a plural word. And it's used as a singular verb. So what does that mean? What, what, what do you think that means? Why is it plural? Plurality. One. It refers to the Trinity. Okay, now that's one explanation. The second explanation is that the author uses the plural of majesty. Okay, he uses the royal we. How many think it's the royal we? No? I don't think it is either, because uh, royal we was used by royalty. A king would give an edict, or he would give uh, a, a statement, and he would use the royal we. And what he was doing was, he says, I'm speaking for God. We decided this. Now, why does God have to speak for God when God is God? Like, there's no one higher than God. Uh, so that doesn't make sense. And the third possibility is that it's the super, superlative degree. So what we have here is the God of gods or the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Uh, That's a possibility. I can't tell you how many times I've read uh, commentaries and they say that we just use the royal we. It is talking. When you see the word Elohim, it is talking about the Trinity. Okay. And... To prove that, I'm going to look at John chapter 1. The Gospel of John. When you look at uh, John chapter 1, John chapter 1, actually the book of John is actually a commentary on the Pentateuch. And so he he's writing about Genesis at the beginning. It starts the same way. In the beginning was the word. Okay, now the next phrase in it, Describes or defines the word Elohim. And it simply says, and the word was, by the way, who's the word everybody knows? Jesus. The word was with God. And it says, and God was the word. Now notice that I put God in emphasis before in the original Greek. God is placed in the, uh, before the word. So, so I'm saying it. It's a transliteration of that verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was the Word. So, there's your definition of Elohim. Okay? All three, all three members of the Trinity are working together in the creation of the world. Now, let's jump from creation to the New Testament and the act of redemption. If we were to look in the New Testament, what book of the New Testament talks more about Trinity than any other book? It has to be the book of John, doesn't it? Because he talks about the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and that whole connection. Where would I find where would I find the information about the Holy Spirit in the book of John?
1: 14.
0: Yeah, we're talking about the betrothal covenant again, right? Aren't we? This is where uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples in the upper room uh, before his crucifixion, and he's and he's talking about what he's going to do. So, uh, John, somebody read John fourteen verses fourteen to seventeen.
1: You shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray. The Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that you may be, that you may abide, that He may abide with you forever. He in the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees Him not, neither knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you, and you and shall be. in Yes,
0: so He says. You know, it's good that I go to be with the Father, and if I go to the Father, I will send you the uh, Comforter. And in my version, it says a Helper. The word is. Paraclete. What is a paraclete? It is literally someone who's called alongside of. Okay, so do you get the picture? Here we have the Holy Spirit. This is a, the, the Holy Spirit, uh, comes and he's, he's got your back. If you're in a fight, he's got your back. Okay? If you are, um, it also pictures the Holy Spirit as being a, a lawyer in a trial. He's standing up and he's representing you. He's defending you. He's he's, got, he's beside you. Okay, he's got you, he's got you covered. He takes care of you. It also pictures a father who pities his child or a mother taking care of a young lad who's fallen and scraped his knees. Someone who comes and sits down beside you, wraps his arms around you and comforts you in your distress. That's the idea about the comforter. So you see that it's the same idea as we have in the book of Genesis. It's got you, somebody's got you covered. He's protecting you. He's taking care of you, okay? He's abiding in you. He's with you at all times. Same idea, uh, so let's look through the uh, betrothal covenant, 14, 15, and 16, and we're going to what does John fifteen, twenty-six say about? But so when the helper comes, whom
1: I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify
0: of me. So the Holy Spirit comes to you and he will tell you all about Jesus. He will he will reveal to you, uh He, he will reveal God to you. Okay? John's 16, verse
1: 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. But if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judge
0: how much longer? Yeah, keep going. Okay. I think I think you're close to the end 15? where
1: Okay. Uh, I have yet many things to say. Yeah,
0: you you're good. You are good. Uh, yep, that's that's good. So what is he going to do? He's going to convict the world of sin. He's, you know, here's he, here he is in the world and he's contacting people. He's uh, he's 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 your conscience really in in a sense. He's, uh, convicting you of sin, of judgment and, uh, of, um, yeah, that too. Okay. He tells you, uh, he tells you what's coming. And what he's doing is glorifying the son and and doing that. That's the Holy Spirit who abides with you, who protects you, who reveals God to you. Okay, really this, he, he sounds like a homeschool mom, I say, because we're homeschoolers. Okay, the, the whole idea is the mom's teaching and guiding and protecting, telling where, what the kids are doing wrong and showing them the right way. Okay, okay, we got lots of time for, we've done the first side, now we're doing the second side. Well, except for one thing. In John, uh, Genesis chapter 22 and 24, I want you to look and study that because it's it's an important part. Because here we have, in John, what's what we have in Genesis 22, Abraham and the sacrifice of the son, right? And so we see Isaac as a type of Christ, to carrying the uh, load, the wood on his shoulders up the mountain, building the arner uh, altar. I got to drink. I don't know, but it just wets everything. Everything sticks, you know? Everything sticks until, um, any. Anyway. He builds, he, he allows himself to be bound. He's laid on the things. Here we have Abraham bringing the knife up the mountain. He's raising the might above his son, and he's about to thrust this knife into his son, and God provides a substitute. And in the thicket, in the thorns, here's the crown of thorns on this ram's head. He takes that lamb and he places it in place of his son. And it pictures Christ's sacrifice on the cross. I don't know where this happened. It either happened where the, they eventually built the bronze altar in the, in the temple, or it was the exact location of Golgotha where Christ was crucified. We have a picture of Christ being crucified. Now we go to chapter 24, and Isaac disappears from the narrative from chapter 22 to the end of 24. And God, who represents, who, and who Abraham, who represents God, says to his servant, let's find a wife for Isaac. And do you know what his servant's name is Eliezer what does Eliezer mean God's helper so here is Eliezer he is a picture of the holy spirit and what does the holy what does Eliezer do he goes out in the world looking for the bride for Isaac okay and he goes and he, there are some people he avoids. He goes to people that are of kindred spirit. He goes and he sees Rebecca and he introduces himself and asks for a cup of water. And then he tests her. He said, if this is the one, she'll give us water and she'll water my camels. By the way, the camels can have 50 gallons of water at a time, so I don't know how Full their tank was, but she worked hard. Afterwards, he rewards her. He gives her, he gives her a, a reward. I think it was a, a nose ring and, yeah, bracelets. And then he introduces himself and she invites him in. And then he reveals the covenant and he, and he gives the wedding proposal and he tells this is Eliezer's telling all about Isaac and all about Abraham and all the goodness and how they've got a place prepared for. In my father's house, there are many mansions, aren't there? Okay, he tells them all about that. And then at the end, what does they do? They place a cup of wine in front of everybody there and in front of Rebecca and, uh, They ask her if she's going to take on this proposal. And in Jewish custom, if you accepted the proposal, you would grab that cup and you would drink. If you didn't want that proposal, you wouldn't touch the drink. It's a picture of what Christ does for the, and what the Holy Spirit does in the world. Everybody, last time we talked about this uh, before Christmas, well, quite a while ago now. It was when somebody got married, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. You were all away. Anyway, we talked about it and we got into the whole thing about Calvinism, you know, why does God choose some people and why does let me ask you a question. Did you choose Rick? Did you choose Kim to be your wife?
1: Yes.
0: You okay. Was there anybody else in the contest? No. Okay. Why did you pick her? She was hot. <laughs> she was a kindred spirit.
1: Yes, yeah, she was. That's right. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that was
0: first. Besides that, I know all about hot weather. Never mind. No. That's true. She was a kindred
1: spirit.
0: Okay. So did, did you choose her or did she choose you? Yes. Yes. Right? We just solved the problem of Calvinism and Arminianism, didn't we?
1: <laughs>
0: it is that simple. We tend to... You know what we do? We try to take, we try to take uh, the knowledge of the Bible and we try to put it in a systematic theology. Right? Don't we? A, a science. What is it? It is a relationship. It is a courtship. Okay, Understand that. Good, I have enough time to go in there. Okay, so here you see the picture of the of the Trinity and you got uh, uh, people that are diverse, different points of view, different giftings, different things to bring to the table. They are working together for a common purpose. Okay, that is what we call a template or that is a model for life. Can you identify any relationships that you're involved with where this model applies? Marriage. Marriage. Let's talk about marriage for a minute and then we'll go to other ones. Okay. Marriage is the, is the one that's in the scriptures. It's, ta- it's the wedding proposal. Okay. Uh, turn to Genesis. We're going to start at Genesis. Chapter one. then God said, verse 26, and then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Then down to 27, and God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, let's stop right there. I'm going to say something specifically to you men. You men, all of you, all of you. You are not made in the image of God. You're not. That's because I know you and no.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't think it says that. You are made in the image of Jesus Christ. You women, you are made in the likeness of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Any objections to that? I'm chewing on it. Chewing on it. That's why I gave that disclaimer at the beginning. It's something to chew on. Okay? You think of it. It's the man and the woman together that are created in the image of God. Okay? You go to chapter 2, and uh, chapter 2, God, and in this case, it's Yahweh Elohim. Who's Yahweh Elohim? Hmm? The
1: self-existent one. Redemption.
0: But he's... Okay. Yahweh... Okay, I won't say that. Here we see Yahweh, what he's doing is forming out of the earth. He's forming the man. And he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Who was it that breathed into his nostrils? Jesus. We have an affinity. Men have the affinity with Jesus Christ. And we are to lay down our lives for our wives as Christ laid down his life for the church. That's the affinity we have an affinity with Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, then later on in Genesis chapter two, what does it say? It says, uh, "Is it good for man to be alone?" No. So I'm going to give him a a helper. Does that bring a bell? The Holy Spirit is the helper. He's Eliezer. The God, one who helps God. Okay. Now you have, now you have, uh, a picture of the Trinity. You have the Father directing the husband and the wife. Here you have the uh, system of authority. The most perfect illustration of the Trinity is a husband whose wife is under the authority of God. Someone who is presenting the christian life how god intends the trinity is a model for all of life and we're going to finish up what other models do do we have in uh, that we can apply the trinity to church 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 is a great example right we got a diversity of people here we have a diversity of gifts and talents and, uh, ways of looking things. We all together get together and we work together towards a common purpose. And we have a structure of authority. God's over us. We got the, uh, eldership or the leadership over us. And then we have the people and the gifting all working together for the same purpose. Uh, what's more, what is more powerful? The, the position of leadership or the position of influence? They're both the same, isn't it? If I'm in a relationship with my wife, who's got the most power? She do or do I do? She does. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because she's got the power of influence. She can influence me. She can turn my head. Right? Absolutely. Okay, so there we have the picture of the church. What else? I'm just about done. Family.
1: Family, husband, wife, children.
0: Yep. What else? How about government? We are created equally under our, a republic or a dominion. The way we started out in these countries, it was based on the Christian principles. We are under God. Okay. And we are all equal underneath. Somehow, over the years, it turned into a democracy. Never intended to be a democracy. And then somehow it is becoming a dictatorship. Okay, that's the evolution. you know what the average lifespan of a democracy is? <clears throat> 200 years. Okay? Both our countries are coming up to that, and there are some big changes that are coming up. Any other relationships? How about work? How is work supposed to happen, eh? All the people are equal underneath. Okay, you have a boss, a leadership and stuff. How is the boss supposed to treat his people? Not as lording over them like the Gentiles do. No, the boss is concerned about his employees. They make sure his employees are getting along in life and are have got a wage. He's helping. They're working together. The Trinity is a pattern for life. If you want to understand the Trinity, you look at these relationships. Any questions?
1: To comment, Tom, I think the idea of this diversity and unity, which is God, I think does help us in lots of things. It, it is that pattern that that there is there is uh, a distinctiveness, there is diversity, and yet it's a oneness. Beautiful thing, man. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. Amen. A fellowship. I mean, you talk about the trinity of God, perfect fellowship, right, with one another. God didn't need to create anything; He had that within His own being, and we see that now in all these other areas. I mm-hmm. you know, like the church, marriage, all of it. You can see where the Jews, uh, Christ, had stumbling block. They did stumble over the Trinity.
0: It's throughout the, like you pointed out, some of the areas of the Old Testament. And they, I don't believe they believe in anything to do with the Trinity mm-hmm. at all
1: the Jewish people, so.
0: Jewish. Yeah, I think, take a look, at it. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at Genesis chapter 1, and it sees the Spirit of God came over. I said, "Why did they say that? Or they hovered over? Why did they use that term when they had this word to brood? Like all these other things, they could have, they could have added into like protection, like uh, fussing, like moving the eggs around, like doing all those things. Why did they? Because they were forming a theology, and they had it in their minds. God's God's the creator, the Son is involved with uh, redemption, and the we and the Spirit." Well, he's the he's the fun guy, I guess. I don't know, but they're all working together in unity. It's something we have to have to know about.
1: People that wrote that they didn't understand all that, did they? They just they were inspired to write it, but they
0: couldn't have understood have Uh Take a look at the, the the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay, how did the New Testament? I'm going to talk about that next week. How did the New Testament know that Christ was involved in creation when the Son isn't even mentioned in Genesis 1, 2, and 3? How did they know that? Because they knew the term what Elohim meant back then. They understood the Son. And the Son, like, you know, it's, Son is not just a New Testament thing. He's throughout the whole Psalms, right? So people with understanding, how come, how come John got it. And then two centuries two centuries later that they're they're wondering, they're having these Christological controversies, trying to figure out who Christ is. Are we time up? Any other questions? Okay, next week we're going to talk about this Trinity again, but we're going to focus on the uh, uh Jesus Christ part and the Trinity and how old Testament right through the New Testament and how it is all about Jesus. Okay?